This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert, and welcome to the Content Pros Podcast, where you'll hear the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world. The show is brought to you by Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. The show is also brought to you by Vidyard, the best platform for creating, managing, and optimizing your video content marketing. And the show is brought to you by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. The hosts of the show are Randy Frisch and Tyler Lessard. Find all links, archives, and more at contentprospodcast.com. Now, here's Randy, Tyler, and this week's special guest. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip. As always, I've got Tyler Lessard joining me from Vidyard. And this is an interesting show, even for the two of us, I think. Uh, you know, Tyler will be able to pipe in here with his thoughts, but we're going to talk about personal branding. And it's it's kind of a fun topic for me because I'm always trying to figure out what my personal brand is, even when I do something like Content Pros. You know, how am I coming off? What are the things that I need to do to ensure that you know, the people we're trying to sell to see me in a different way than maybe my kids see me at home? So, Tyler, maybe you can tell us a little bit about you know, the guests that we've got brought together, the book that they've put together, and everything we're going to dive into in the next 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to have Barry Feldman and, and Seth Price with us here today. I think they've got some very interesting perspectives on the intersection between content and brand and, and whether we're talking about personal brand, whether we're talking about our business's brand, uh, some very interesting perspectives. And uh, again, not only are these guys thought leaders in the market, they're active practitioners, but they are also the authors of The Road to Recognition, the A to Z guide to personal branding to accelerate your professional success in the age of digital media. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to you guys to quickly introduce yourselves and your, your origin stories, if you will. Um, and then I want to dive into what the road to recognition is all about. So um, Barry, maybe yourself first, if you could introduce and then, uh, and then over to Seth. You got it. Thanks, Tyler. And thanks, Randy, for having us. I am Barry Feldman, and I am the founder of a boutique-style agency called Feldman Creative, and I have a a blog called The Point. I have been uh, up to my earballs in content marketing and digital strategy consulting for companies of all sizes. Uh, For many years, I started in the agency business. I defected and I went to work for myself in in 1995, so I've been doing this as long as the internet's actually existed. And I write here, there, and everywhere. Some people know me, a lot of people know me, I suppose, from um, popular marketing blogs, including, of course, Convince and Convert, where I'm a somewhat regular contributor. And and uh, yeah, that's what I that's what I do. I help companies of all sizes. They're largely uh, marketing companies uh, these days. Marketing tech, marketing services, uh, do their digital marketing. Awesome. And I'm Seth Price. I'm uh, the co-author of the Road to Recognition. I um, come from a sales and marketing background, so VP of marketing, CMO, um, normally for early stage technology startups that have you know raised their angel funding, and then we go on to raise you know an A, B, C, and most recently a D for my uh, recent company, which is uh, Playster. And I, the book came about because I live this. You know, you when you have a company and you don't have a fully formed product yet. 
often the way that you build trust is by you know, doing activities in the world to build your brand and your reputation before anyone knows the name of your company. Like it took three years until people could pronounce the name of Playster the way it's spelled. And so that's sort of what I do. I write a lot of content. I speak, you know, 35 times a year uh, at all kinds of marketing and sales events to be someone that spreads the word of digital marketing. And uh, yeah, that's it. So the road to recognition is is focused on personal branding, and but one of the things that struck me um, that the ideas in this book can be as relevant, I think, to individuals, right? I think anybody, frankly, listening to this podcast and how they're building their own careers and and the the importance and value of their brand, I think, as it can be to someone who is building and representing a company, um, like you talked about. So I'm curious, maybe to kick this off, is who did you write this book for? Who who were you thinking about as your audience, and and how did that shape your approach to the actual content and and the structure and everything that went into it? Well, I'll frame this and then I'll let Barry, you know, sort of add the detail is because there were two co-authors and we were alternating chapters in the beginning, we realized early on that we needed a unified audience to speak to. And Barry was the one that said, hey, we can't write this for like marketing geeks because, you know, they're writing blog posts. We need to write this for our friends and, you know, people that are out there building companies or representing companies so they can have all of the tactics and strategies in a, in a workbook, in a guidebook uh, that they can work from. Yeah. And uh, there's, a, there's kind of a long list of personas, but I think um, you, you nailed it that it's a, it's a business leader, it's an entrepreneur, it's a, it's a solopreneur. Uh, we've identified something that is catching on called second careerist, you know, where somebody's sort of making their right. shift in, in the middle years. And, uh, and, and certainly, I, I, we call them aspiring professionals on our website. And I think most of we're talking about uh, pro, um students there and so you know the, it doesn't it doesn't exclude a lot of people and the and the, the principles i suppose largely apply to any brand today you know the books um you know got a quite a concentration on uh, the creation of content marketing and building platforms to express your ideas and so it's pretty portable to a lot of people um but yeah there's 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 uh, this idea that your name is a brand that's sort of sunk in over the last decade or so right. and you know the examples are endless you know if, if you're a placeder company I mean, if you're a placeter client, you're a real estate agent, you know, absolutely perfect example of somebody who needs to develop a great personal brand. Yeah. And, and I'll just follow up on that. Like I have a, one of the co-founders of my company, uh, Matt Barbet, he's an engineer in finance background. He is just a brilliant guy to be working with, but he does not prioritize personal branding. I mean, he doesn't have a bad personal brand. It's right. just not amplified. So the decision he made was to entrust me as the face of the company. And so it can apply in a lot of different places. And generally, your your leading salesperson in many ways has to be a great personal brand because, you know, they don't know anything until they speak to that person, even if they're doing, you know, you're doing majority of SaaS sales. It's your customer service team. It's the folks that answer the phone. It's the folks that are represented on your site um, that really show trust in, you know, in who you are as a company and help you close the deal. So, you know, going back and you mentioned the last decade, um, 
as you as you think about things that have changed and i think in those same sort of terms of you know going back 10 15 years you know personal brand i think meant something very different than what it means today and, and obviously the tactics we use and the opportunity uh, i i believe have changed a lot so i'm curious on your guys perspective as to what has changed uh, in the last five, 10 years, if you want to use that, um, that has really built the foundation for personal brand, not only being a bigger opportunity for all of us, uh, but something that we can really, you know, put into practice quickly and, and, and have a real impact. That's an interesting question. Um, many, I think everybody that's really paying close attention attribute the term personal branding to Tom Peters because of an article that he wrote and said that term for the first time. You know, great term, really easy to understand. And uh, he said, you're the CEO of a company called Me, Inc. And that was 1997. And he, he pointed to one channel, which was uh, a pretty obvious channel to point to, which was email. He said, you know, when your email box is crowded, uh, who's who, you know, how is that person going to decide who's to open? And the answer is, you know, those that they recognize and know. And so what's changed in the last 20 years, I guess it is now, uh, particularly the last decade, is the democratization of media makes it so that there are a lot more channels uh, than email, and there are a lot more questions like that. You know, how do I get somebody's attention, whether that platform be, you know, blogging, podcasting, article writing, speaking, um, video, what have you. And so, I think that's the biggest change. You know, anybody can make any media. It's not hard given, you know, a little bit of technology and a little bit of knowledge and prowess. And, um, you know, that's the good news. And it's also the bad news because the noise is relentless. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say that goes to the attention piece, which is, you know, if you look back at the last 16 years, there's numerous studies that point to uh, humans' ability to pay attention have, has reduced somewhere around 30%. And so, you know, you can look at all the devices that we deal with, the content shock, if you want to call it that. Um, the ability to reach and capture the attention of an individual is harder and harder. And being authentic and being human is almost an anomaly today because we just get bombarded with so much stuff that the things that we grasp and pay attention to tend to be human focused and they tend to be really intimately related to our pain and what we need and who we are as individuals. So that's that combined with what Barry said, I think, is just this firestorm right now where without a brand, you're like two clicks away from obscurity because there's no way for the consumer to differentiate you from someone else. So Barry, just digging in on, on the, you know, the type of mediums that you described that have made this personal branding phenomenon possible, maybe we can dig in on some examples of people who you think are doing it really well out there. And, and I'm going to even make it semi-easy for you because there's someone I think all of us on this podcast you know, can relate to and admire for this, a guy like Jay Bear, right? You know, for those listening to the podcast, Jay Bear is behind Convince and Convert and Content Pros is part of the Convince and Convert family of podcasts. So you know, from that perspective, what are some of the things that you've seen Jay do that you think have really set him in terms of building that personal brand. <laughs> what uh, what hasn't Jay done? You know, if, if there's a, if if there's a checklist of personal branding challenges, uh, he's checked all the boxes as far as I can tell. He's making videos. He's using every social media platform. He's written a number of books. He's on a you know a nonstop speaking circuit, and so. You know, he might be the ultimate example, at least to marketers. You know, he's usually a top influencer list and, you know, has been 
purported to be the most retweeted guy and all that stuff. So I think, you know, there, I, I always think of it as an elevator. I call it uh, the expert elevator. I've said this a few times, and there are ground floors, and I'm sure uh, Jay uh, considered blogging one of those ground floors. And way up in the penthouse are things that, you know, take much more time and uh, ultimately probably have even larger rewards, like being a professional speaker and writing, you know, multiple books. But in between are all these platforms and, you know, social media represents a fair share of them. And you can uh, express your ideas in, in any number of ways. And so the book, to answer your question about, you know, who are the rock stars in the world of recognition, uh, the book certainly answers that question, uh, perhaps with a little bias towards marketing, since, um, you know, Seth and I are marketers and, and, you know, sort of hobnob with speakers and podcasters and fellow authors and so forth. And so each chapter of the book begins with a one of those. They're contributors that gave us original content to take on the topic of the chapter. And those include Brian Clark of Copyblogger and Joe uh, Polizzi of uh, Content Marketing Institute and Lee Oden and Andy Crestadina. And uh, the list is long. I'm not going to hit them all. But th- these are all people that understand these principles and built, in some cases, like uh, Joe's, who wrote a book about the topic, he built a massive community, a tribe, of, you know, a, a following of loyalists before he even figured out what he was going to sell. And so uh, great examples there from within the book. And then, you know, personal branders are everywhere in entertainment in this um post that went up today i i say you know there's oprah and ellen and lebron you know it's in adele it's kind of unfair but these people are so good at it you know obviously celebrities that it only takes one name to conjure you know a massively quick response to what they're good at and what they're famous for so i i love that and seth i want to come over to you on another question there but we're going to take a quick pause from this podcast to hear from our sponsors and how they're building some of their personal brands and we'll be back to personal brands in one minute hey zoe hey kelly do you know what i love benedict cumberbatch yeah him but also netflix and how it always shows me what i'll love aka all the murder mysteries Ooh, or documentaries about puppies I wish there was a way to do that with B2B content. And we'll hold on to your pants. So you know Uberflip? It lets you create a better content journey for your readers. So I can let my readers binge my content while my sales team also sends it out to prospects? You sure can. Amazing. How do I get it? Just head over to uberflip.com and request a demo. So Seth, digging back into this idea of starting to build your personal brand, Barry gave us some examples of some of the great names out there, Joe at Content Marketing Institute, Jay at Convince and Convert, who have you know really taken it you know to that highest level. But I think the the overwhelming part for a lot of us when we look at those people is where do we even start? Uh, and I'm wondering what your thoughts and what your advice is, and maybe you can even point to some some takeaways from the book in terms of where can people get started building their brand. So. I mean, it's the same as when you're building a product or deciding to do a business is you're trying to figure out who's the audience that you're creating this thing for. And the brand is the same way. Like, what's your subject matter expertise and who is the audience that matters to your career or furthering your business? Because when you can start to focus that down into, I'll call it a micro niche, you can start to figure out, hey, well, where do they spend their time? What are the key connection channels where that audience is consuming stuff. And then how do you provide value to them when they're not 
looking to buy and sell what you have, right? Because 99% of the time, consumers don't need the thing you have until they have this moment, this you know critical moment, uh, the zero uh, moment of truth that you might add. Um, and so if you can figure out who they are, what that connection channel is, and then start with a repeatable brand and building activity. And Barry mentioned some of the foundational things like, hey, blogging is still really, really, really powerful if it's targeted to an audience. And having your own website allows you to control your platform. And then you might go into more specialized things. Like this podcast is very specific about you know, folks that are interested in content marketing, they tend to buy products that you and I might sell. Um, they tend to follow not only the podcast, but then they might read the content and they're certainly going to know more about Jay, but maybe Jay's other podcasts might be something that they consume. And so you start to hit the touch points that a consumer has on the web so they can know, like, and trust you before they actually meet you. Um, so that's generally a good place to start. And then the last sort of cross-section there, it's good to do something that is part of your passion. So, you know, if you like public speaking and maybe you're not great at it yet, there might be something to lean into there because that's going to drive the zeal part of it. That Z is for zeal in our book. It's like what's going to get you to get out of bed and do this when it's, you know, when it's a little hard. Because in the beginning, you start blogging. No one's really reading it until you, you know, build a body of work. You know, something that really struck me when going through the book and, and thinking about this uh, with, with you guys is that I think those building a personal brand, there's such an analogy to, to content marketing as a whole, really, yeah. right? It's about the developing the right themes and the right messages, being you know empathetic to your audience and, and what's interesting to them. It's about using multiple mediums and types of mediums, multiple channels to get that message out there um, and to be creative, to be authentic. And, and I could go on yeah. and on on you know, I think, and, and so it's, there's almost this question of is personal brand, you know, whether you're in marketing, whether you're running a business, whether you're a real estate agent, is it really an Uber content marketing exercise? And, you know, if, if so, should we be focusing and, and following those content marketing practices as a way, as a foundation to, to build our brand? Oh, I'd say a hundred percent. I mean, you know, Barry, you know, both he and I have built our businesses and the inbound activity from our businesses from doing some form of content marketing. And it doesn't mean that the analog activities that salespeople do should go away. Like you should still call people and you should right. still meet them face to face and go out to coffee with your clients and show up in person if you can. But you get amplification from content. Someone in the book says, if you don't share your ideas, nobody will know if they are any good. <laughs> um, yeah, you have, to, you have to have a platform. Yeah, Michael Hyatt wrote a book specifically called Platform about the idea uh, for which you express yourself. And so I'd like to, to hearken back to two questions ago, where do you, where do you begin? Uh, I, I can tie these two uh, answers together. Um, Seth laid out a, a great strategic path and mentioned a few platforms, but I'm often asked that question when in front of an audience and the people are indeed overwhelmed. And, you know, I say, well, raise your hand if you have a website. And unfortunately, you know, only about half the people raise their hand. And so I say, all right, you need to go home and make a website tonight. And then, and then I say, you know, put your hand down um, if you don't have a blog. And, uh, you know, or, you know, keep your hand up if you do have a blog. And uh, then, you know, most of the hands go down. So uh, it doesn't have to be that overwhelming. I think you start with a website and a blog. And it doesn't have to be a blog. You know, some 
some platform that you're comfortable with. It could be a vlog, and you know there's a variety of choices that are all uh, addressed in the book. And then I think while almost everybody is on LinkedIn, I think very few people take good care of their LinkedIn profile. So I think that's definitely a, a foundational starting point too. Yeah, and I think something that's you know helped me as well in in the work I've done from a personal brand perspective is having those pieces there, and then having a set of you know let's say three to four main themes or topics or hypotheses that you know I want to focus on for you know a twelve month period because I, I find you can quickly go off on what should I talk about next and and you know what's over here and what's the latest trend, but if you keep kind of true to a few main ideas that you can explore throughout the year. And, and I think staying focused, you know, building an audience on depth of value as opposed to breadth um, can can have big payoffs and, and can help you think about what does my content roadmap look like? Um, and, and so I think that's something that's been interesting. And, and the other piece, which I'm interested in your perspective, because you guys do this really well, is how to make your content approachable and digestible. Because we can all ramble on on a blog and, and, you know, be verbal diarrhea writing this big, long piece. But if it's not simple and easy, and I love what you did in the book, you're using the alphabet as the framework. It was like, I can tell a content marketer wrote this book. Right? <laughs> it's very approachable. It's very digestible. Um, I can snack in here and there. And it was really it was really great, right? It's like, this isn't a writer. This is a content marketer who pulled this together. So do you guys have um, uh, tips on, yeah, when you get started, how do you make your content approachable? Is it chunking it up? Is it is it using numbers and letters? Or, or how do you approach that? Barry, why don't you do the writing piece? And I'll talk about the design piece. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, how did we get this far without talking about what the book looks like? Certainly, that's part of the part of the answer. So we'll let Seth uh, tackle that. Um, yeah, you you nailed that um, with your question there. You kind of answered it. I think um, you make it approachable by injecting your personality. You know, certainly. Uh, I get a lot of feedback about how when people read something by me, they can tell it's by me, even if they didn't, you know, see my my name, you know. So that that's um, you know, that that takes some work, but I've been writing for a long time, and so I think that's part of the answer is developing your voice, and then uh, storytelling and using examples, and then comes uh, what you said, chunking, it's a, a kind of a new term to me, but I, I saw a review of the book yesterday about its design, and um, that person, Roger C. Parker. Uh, explicitly called it chunking so now i know what it means and you know it is presenting uh, the information in um, consumable pieces and so that you can say that we did that with each chapter like you said it's sort of a, a reference manual you know you're welcome to read you know the p chapter first if podcasting interests you but then within each chapter is a very structured repeatable process that goes um beautiful spread that introduces the idea with a very small amount of copy and a lot of white space. Then a two-page contributor spread with a lot of negative space. And then the book itself which is very clean and has lots of white space and it has a massive amount of uh, lists or indents where we're, um, you know, uh, drilling down on an idea. So, uh, yeah, I think that's how you do it as a writer. There's probably more to that answer, but those are the things that come to mind first. And then on the, the design side was really thinking about this as a product, which is as a content marketer, the world doesn't need another piece of content for the most part. Like there's just a ton of content. So, but what the consumer needs is a way to consume ideas that they can grok it. Like they can really understand it. They can digest it. It's, it, they don't get taken away by distraction very easily. So we looked at a lot of marketing books and said, well, how can we take these complex concepts and make them 
you know, childlike, easily consumable for short attention spans, which is, uh, Barry wrote a book called SEO for Short Attention Spans, which is fantastic, but we wanted to figure out how do we take that and do it in a design way as well. And so it, the book doesn't have a kid-like feel to it, but we use those concepts, which is as human beings, we process information in very predictable ways. And if we can make it easy for someone to visually read something, so the the font's correct. The color scheme is really easy on the eyes. It's easy to grasp the individual uh, concepts by chunking. Um, that makes it um, stand out in the marketplace, and that that was very intentional. Yeah, I, I you know kudos to both of you guys on that, and and we'll make sure to let people know at the end of this podcast how to find the book. But it it really is pleasing, and and I think you know that really speaks these days to that. You know, better experience that that audiences are looking for as they engage in content. You know, it, it used to be you know creating content was enough, and then it was creating great content was enough, and then it was okay. Well, how do we wrap this content up becomes important yeah. too. And you guys have, have done a great job. Thank you. There. Thank you. I want to I want to ask you guys a, a tricky question that you know, and let's not think about the four of us, right? Because you know, in the case of you know both Tyler and myself, we kind of are. The voice of our brand. You know, Tyler is very much out there on behalf of Vidyard very often. I'm out there on behalf of Uberflip. And even the two of you are out there either, you know, for your own creative agency or as we talked about for Play Street, right? So what about the the people listening to this podcast who are, as we said, trying to build their personal brand and maybe don't have that place to do so. And a lot of us these days hear about things like LinkedIn. You know, I'm going to throw back Thursday if someone's listening on Thursday there. That, you know, it used to be about.me. Remember that page? Mm. Um, but, but you know, where is it that we should repost the content that we may be working on on behalf of a company to showcase our abilities, right? Should we be reposting content on LinkedIn? Should we be doing it and going, as you said, to build your own website or build your own blog. What is your recommendation for, you know, best value for the least amount of effort to get started? You should be doing it where your audience congregates, right? In Tyler's, mm-hmm. in Tyler's case, um, you know, Vidyard's a, a video product. And if um, he approached that strategically, he did a hell of a lot of research to figure out who's struggling with it and who are the leaders and who speaks on the topic and you know where where do the influencers go and what channels are they asking questions on and what questions are they asking. And so it's a deep dive into uh, identifying your personas and those channels. And then, you know, like I said, the democratization of, of media makes it kind of easy if you have the commitment uh, to jump in. Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% behind that, which is, so one, I'm a firm believer that a, a website is crucial, mostly because it's hard to build an asset that you can reuse over and over again on a social media platform because you don't have control over it. Um, but then choosing the platform that your, your audience is spending their time. So, you know, if you're going for millennials or Gen Zers, um, they may not be a, using LinkedIn heavily, but they may be using Snapchat and Instagram really well. So you need to make sure that your content is digestible there and and relevant and, and easily consumed. Um, so it really just depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So another tricky question for you guys that people are probably wondering, and, and I think Seth, you spoke about this near the beginning of the podcast where it was decided that you would be the voice of your company, right? Um, 
you know, Barry, I believe in your case, you are the voice for your own personal company. How, how many voices do you think a brand can have? Um, and, you know, is there a magic number? Does it get to a point where companies are shooting themselves in the foot by having too many external voices out there? So any company in an ideal scenario, the CEO is the most likely first candidate, right? Because the CEO is responsible for fundraising. They're responsible for recruiting. They're responsible for the first sales unless they have enough money to have, you know, a seasoned salesperson. So that's a natural extension there. Now, as your company grows and you do have forward-facing people, they are representatives of your brand. So anybody who's in customer service, anyone who's in a sales capacity or business development capacity, anyone who's doing marketing and communicating with people on social, like having that person have the the consciousness of what the brand, like the company brand stands for and how to represent it in a human way online, like that's where the power is. And I think we've shifted from an age where you can just have a Jeff Bezos or, you know, an Elon Musk as the sole touch point and, and brand where you have lots of micro brands. Because if we like look at this United thing that just happened recently, had one person in that whole interaction on that plane and at the gate had said, you know what, this could go bad and made a decision on how to represent the company that could have saved the company hundreds of millions of dollars. That's brand representation. All the time it happens with every employee. And the risk is, and why people tend not to do it, is they fear that either someone's going to quit and take their brand equity with them, or someone's going to misrepresent the brand in a bad way. Well, that stuff's going to happen anyway. <laughs> Whether you empower them or not, you should at least have a policy and a, and a, and a conscious effort on training your team, the folks that are forward facing, how to represent themselves and their desires and the brand at the same time so it can be a win-win. That's really interesting. Who do you think in that you know, evolution of company growth needs to be the person to almost police as, as you're describing it? Well, the, the different personalities and the different personal brands that are out there representing the company, does that fall on marketing? Does that fall on HR? Who's, whose responsibility is it to ensure that the personal brands coming out of companies aligned to the company's overall. Yeah. So there is one, as your company grows, like early on, you don't have an HR people ops person. So you just have to decide whether there's real value in internal influencer marketers, right? Like the people, like if you looked at the networks of everybody on your team and you looked at, hey, who do you know in the world that might buy our product? You probably have a, a really great Venn diagram and a mind map of, of folks that could be great customers for you. And so that's like low hanging fruit. And so early on, it's sort of a looser decision. If marketing sees the value, then marketing owns it in the beginning. And then ultimately, as a company, you start putting together handbooks, which you know people tend to hate, but it allows you to create some structure as to what's okay and what's not okay. Now, the downside that I've seen with that is sometimes companies put in too much structure so people can't do anything. And that's sort of like ignoring that they have personal lives. And I think that that turns off a lot of employees and misses an opportunity for them to be proud of sharing what the company stands for and the product and, and what the company's about. 
it's a topic that Jay's been tackling lately, and I think um, Uberflip makes for a great example. You know, like Seth said, it starts at the top, and to you know to tackle that last question, I think it it is a collective of the C-suite. You know, depending on how the company's structured, but um, you know there you know, there probably does need to be some governance, but there has to be also some enthusiasm and buy-in to make it happen, and that's why I say Uberflip's a good example. You know, while Randy's the one that's often on stage and affiliated with the company, and you know doing a podcast and so forth there are several uh, advocates of the company whose names i'm very familiar with you know from marketing conferences and great content that i've read and seen online and so i think uh, you know the boss has to say this idea of having personal brands within our company is going to help yeah and i think one of the things that that i've seen is is being conscious about what is what is that personal brand really mean at different levels because it's not always about developing somebody into a, a forefront industry thought leader who's going to get out there on the speaking circuit, right? And and there are individuals for that. Um, but here at Vidyard, for example, uh, the marketing team takes lead on, I'd say, brand development for our sales reps. And as part of that, we coach them on, you know, how to represent themselves on their social channels in the best light and, and really best practices. Um, but one of the other things, of course, being a video company is our sales reps are constantly sending personal video messages as a way to communicate with customers or to prospect. And a lot of other businesses, though, are, are scared of that. And it's usually, I don't know what they're going to say. And, you know, they could, they could say something really stupid. They could have something bad behind them on the wall. And I said, well, they could say something stupid on a phone yeah. call. Right. And what's actually interesting about video is that it forces them to be more genuine and authentic because now their personal brand is even more yeah. up front. And, you know, they have to have some 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 greater authenticity in what they're doing. And, and so I think things like that are, you know, it's tough to, to drive into a company. But I think, you know, marketing sales, I, I think to your point, everybody collectively has to help. Um, but, but I think there's value in saying if marketing can champion it and look at it as brand development, not as brand policing, then you know you've got an opportunity to make it something really critical to yeah, the business. I, I 100% agree with that. There's also a great example. We were talking about the airlines, and if you look at the difference between what happened, you know, a week or so ago, and Southwest, they empower their people to be individuals and create relationship at scale, and it shows in their numbers, right? Um, and it's not like that's the way you have to do it, but it's an example of a very large organization that has figured out how to celebrate the people that are part of the machine without, you know, squashing them down and making them sort of faceless, you know, voiceless individuals. Guys, this, this has been fantastic. And, you know, I, I bet you people have a million more questions. The good news is, is there's a source for answers on all this stuff now, and that's the road to recognition. So maybe one of you guys can tell us the best places to find the book, get a copy. Uh, where, where is that happening right now? It's happening in many places, and we have a website uh, developed specifically for the book. And uh, depending on the timing of this broadcast, it's conceivable that you get there and find the many bonuses that are offered for free for uh, various levels of, of sales. That website is uh, The Road, so I mean, make absolutely sure to use the word the, theroadtorecognition.com. And there is a growing number of assets there, including a slash media page should you want to uh, write about the book or share it. 
That's great, guys. And yeah, I, I love uh, how you already alluded to the fact that there's free assets. Sounds like there's a content marketing strategy to the book itself. So amazing. And I'm sure something a lot of listeners can can relate to here. If you've enjoyed this podcast, Tyler and I really encourage you to take a look at the other podcasts on our site at contentprospodcast.com. Again, this is part of the Convince a Convert family of podcasts, including other ones like Social Pros and Today with Jay. Encourage you to check out all that great content. And when you're there and your places like iTunes where you can subscribe, leave us a review. Let us know what you're enjoying. Let us know how we can continue to help you on your content journey. Thanks again for joining Content Pros. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. Interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show? Visit us at convinceandconvert.com.